1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the cross is the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Where is the politician? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Isn't it amazing that to save people, God didn't send a pompous king. He sent a humble servant. Just the opposite of what you might expect to save a nation. For the Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. So if you recall, the Jews stumbled at the fact that their Messiah died on a cross. They couldn't handle it. And the Greeks thought it was ridiculous. The intellectuals think it's ridiculous. Verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, or non-Jews, Jews and non-Jews, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So that term there, that phrase, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, we started it last week, Christ being the anointed one, uh, Christos, Creo, it means anointed, it means gift, it means Holy Spirit upon, and so when you see the word Christ, you're, you're, re, you're reflecting more on the Holy Spirit power aspect of Jesus than the man who was born in Bethlehem. You understand? And so the Son of Man and the Son of God are, are, Son of God are terms used of Jesus Christ. So here it's talking about Christ, the power of God. And then that refers over, it reflects over back to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Right? Christ who strengthens me. The anointed one, the one with power is inside me and he strengthens me. Make sense? So when you say I can do all things through Christ, you're not just talking about a person. You're talking about a substance. You're talking about what that person brings. I can do all things through the power of God that works in me, through Christ in me. I can do all things through Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so that's where the power of God and wisdom of God become these two things that are going to make your life complete. They're going to give substance to your life. They're going to cause you to be effective and successful in this earth. All right? Both of those. You need the power of God and the wisdom of God. That means you need to learn both of those. You need to get both of those. You need to do what it takes to operate your life in both the power of God and the wisdom of God. Is that safe? Okay, and, it's, and if you're a hungry Christian, you know what it feels like. It's like, yeah, yeah, we can have power. And then you should also be thinking, yeah, yeah, we can have wisdom. And if you recall over in the book of James chapter 1, it says that if any man lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, meaning he doesn't like put you down because you asked for wisdom. He doesn't make you feel more stupid than you already feel. Everybody in the whole room can get wisdom. Everybody can get more wisdom than you have right now. Everybody can get so much wisdom that it'll make your life complete. Everybody in the whole room needs all that wisdom. It's there, but you're going to have to access it. All right? 
You got power. You're going to have to access it. Because tomorrow and next week and next year, you're going to need the power of God to overcome situations. And you're going to need the wisdom of God to overcome situations. And so I, I can't help you further than that. I can help you get these things, but then you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to know if you've got the wisdom necessary for life. And you're going to have to know if you've got power when you need it. Your faith is supposed to be in the power of God. Meaning when, when I need power, it's there. Emergency at the house, the first thought should not be 911. The first thought should be power of God. If your faith is in the power of God, your first thought should not be phone numbers. So this kind of tells you where you're at. Is your faith in the power of God? Some people don't know. Some people don't have faith in the power of God because they've never seen it work for them. Well, that's why we do so much teaching and preaching. We're trying to show you. We're trying to teach you. We're trying to impart to you the spirit of faith. So catch it. All right. Some things you can't intellectualize. You got to catch them. It's the Greek. If if you're going to intellectualize everything, we're going to call you a Greek. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. What's he saying there? He's saying uh, not many of the most intellectual, powerful, and prominent people are called to be saved. Now, we know the scripture says God has called all to be saved. He wants everyone saved. But when in this term called, it means those who are going to accept the call. And so not many wise, noble, rich do accept the call. How hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom? Once you seem to have it all, it's harder to see the need for Christ. That's all he's really saying here. Not many mighty, noble politicians, wealthy billionaires are going to be saved because they rest on their riches. They rest on their intellect. So you intellectual heads, you got to be careful. Those who are the smartest in the land, you need to be careful and, and continue to stay humble and recognize your need for Christ and don't reason yourself out of all the things of God. That's what he's saying here. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of, but of him are you, of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that little phrase there is kind of, kind of deep and, and goes pretty far. But Christ Jesus has been made to us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification, redemption. So whatever wisdom you don't think you have, Christ in you is there. Amen. Now, today we're going to help you pull that up. Today we're going to help you live in that and walk in that. So it changes your consciousness. It changes your spiritual life because he's in there, Christ in there, and he's wisdom for you, but you're going to have to tap into him. Make sense? And so this whole idea that the the wise, noble people, and, and even Christians have to be careful not to be so smarty pants 
that you miss those foolish things. And I've noticed this, that sometimes the, the, the richer people get, uh, the more they can despise church. It's like church is just a, yeah, it's just kind of, kind of a lowly thing. We, you know, we are going to sing and we sing and we do more singing and I don't know about that. Or whatever people might think to despise the local church gathering doesn't seem as important as making millions. Be careful of that. That's another example of how the, the mighty noble God has uh, tricked it. He flipped it upside down. And so I don't care how rich you are and how smart you are and how many degrees you've got. You're going to have to start valuing the foolish things that God has put together and called the church. It's like, who wanted to put together a place where we have to take care of the babies? I've already had all my kids. Well, that's what church family does. And, and I'll move on from that. Just like Jesus, he became strong in spirit. He was filled with wisdom and he grew in the grace and the wisdom of God. Remember that? He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor. You need to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor. So you can't be dumb for long. We don't want you being dumb for long. Now, dumb would, would, would also apply to knowledge. So there's three things. There's knowledge, there's wisdom, and there's understanding. And they're similar, but not exactly the same. So knowledge would be learning all the facts, knowing all the scriptures. Okay, that's knowledge. Going to school, getting all the answers, getting all the facts. That's knowledge. But then the wisdom would be using that knowledge properly. There's a lot of people that got three or four degrees, but they can't keep a good job because they don't have enough wisdom. So wisdom allows you to apply all of those facts into something profitable for yourself. Or solve problems. Wisdom would be problem solving. If you're a good problem solver, you have some wisdom. That's a sign of it. And then understanding, I would say understanding is very similar to wisdom, but understanding is more uh, the detail that lies beneath. Understanding the whys behind it. Make sense? So let's say uh, a knowledge would be key and car. Wisdom is you got to put the key in it and turn it. Understanding would be, and then you got to learn how to drive. You got to know how to drive. Uh, and then understanding would be what kind of spark and combustion is happening in that engine? It's a little deeper. So you need, you need knowledge and you need wisdom so that you can solve problems and, and apply that knowledge. And then you need some understanding. That'll, that'll, that'll really complete your life. Okay? Um, turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Let's go get some, some wisdom from Proverbs. You know, Solomon was the wisest that ever lived, right? Until Jesus. Solomon, uh, well, let me, let me just go, go read some Solomon Proverbs. Um, <clears throat> so as we read the book of Proverbs, it's got life lessons on pretty much everything you can think about. Uh, it's got family issues in Proverbs. It's got relationship issues. It's got it's got what wisdom tips on money, wisdom tips on how to deal with people, wisdom tips on talking, wisdom tips on not talking, wisdom tips on not being lazy. It's got wisdom tips on how to be humble. It's got wisdom tips on all sorts of life uh, interactions with people. 
And so you need to apply most of these to your life, okay? Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Verse 20, wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses and the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke and surely I'll pour out my spirit on you and make my words known to you. Stop there for just a second. This, you'll see this, that, uh, wisdom is personified. Sounds like a person calling out. And that's what wisdom does. Wisdom is saying, hey, when are you going to get me? When are you going to want me? How long will you just go with the flow of the world? When are you going to ask for me? When are you going to let me come upon you and change your life? Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Look at chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. What does this mean? It means you're supposed to love wisdom and understanding. Value it. Uh. Verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get it. Therefore get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She'll bring you to honor when you embrace her. She'll place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she'll deliver you, deliver to you. Uh, so this kind of shows that success depends on you getting wisdom. Success does not depend on you picking the right lottery numbers, okay? And so nobody's playing the lottery, right? Nobody plays the lottery. You won't ever win, so quit it. <laughs> but don't put your hope in things like that. Don't pitch, put your hope in get-rich-quick stuff. You won't get rich quick. That's not God's way. So you have to back away from that and recognize what you really need is wisdom, and wisdom does not mean knowing how to pick the numbers. So in all of your endeavors, uh, get some wisdom. By the end of today, you're going to have more wisdom than you, than you came with. Look at Proverbs 16. Sixteen, sixteen. How much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. All right, so take, take a self-assessment. How many of you would like some gold? It's a, they think it's a trick question. Nobody's raising their hand. It's okay to have gold. But, but would you rather wisdom or gold? Which would you pick if you could only have one? Wisdom or gold? You pick wisdom. Wisdom is better than gold. I don't know about you, when I read the Bible, this is how, I mean, I challenge myself. Okay, now wait a second. A bucket of gold or a bucket of wisdom? How much would a bucket of gold be worth? Exactly, about a million, about 20 million, 200 million, about 200 million. 
Which would you rather, 200 million in gold or a bucket of wisdom? It's okay, just, just lie to yourself, it's okay. But you, challenge, you got to challenge, when you read the Bible, you got to challenge yourself and say, wait a second, am I, am I really after the things of God or am I kind of using God to, to get some extra stuff in life? Listen, power and wisdom is here not f- to make you rich. Now, if you use them properly, you'll likely be wealthy. You'll have plenty. But that's not why they're here. They're here for you to glorify God in a real way, with right motives, with right attitude, with right consciousness, with right how you let your light shine. All of those things is why power and wisdom is so necessary. It, it glorifies God when you succeed. When you find the will of God and do the will of God, it glorifies him. The whole unseen world can glorify God whenever you do it right. If you, if you live in fear and don't have faith in the power of God, no glory. There's a, there's a high call. It's part of our high calling to have more faith in God's power, more faith in God's more faith in spiritual things than natural things. People, you know, you, you start trying to believe God for something. Uh, it could be health, could be finances, could be for a miracle or something. And somebody says, well, you know, wisdom, if, if, you, were, if you had any wisdom, you got to use wisdom, you know, you got to use wisdom too. Uh, yeah, spiritual wisdom. You understand? Spiritual wisdom, yeah. Yeah, not just natural wisdom. Natural wisdom says a lot of stuff. Natural wisdom says uh, don't get in your car and drive down the street. You know, it's dangerous out there. Yeah, but I got I to gotta live. So there's a bunch of natural stuff uh, that many people would say don't do, don't try that. But if you have, if you have faith and if you have spiritual wisdom, it's going to cause you to override some of that. Let's get a few more natural things, then we're going to go to the spiritual side. Here's what I want you to understand. Uh, Solomon was the wisest before people could be saved, born again, filled with the Spirit. Solomon was not full of the Spirit. Solomon was not born again. Solomon did not understand the new birth. He didn't understand the new creature in Christ. Solomon lived in the Old Testament. It's one of the big differences in the Old Testament than the New Testament. Solomon did not have what you and I have. He had a lot of natural wisdom. He had no spiritual wisdom. He did not understand how the Holy Spirit might do things in his life because he couldn't do it in his life because he didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. So when you cross over through the cross, when you get to the New Testament, the Holy Spirit changes everything. And now we've got the spiritual matters to deal with. So it's not just about following the book of Proverbs. That's a good base your life will be a lot more successful naturally if you'll follow the book of Proverbs. You'll, you'll have better relationships. Here, here, let's see a couple examples of better relationships. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it's folly and shame to him. Okay, just as a little simple thing. Uh, don't talk before you hear. Pretty simple, right? Look at verse 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. 
See that one? That's an interesting one, isn't it? What does it mean? It means, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're, they're telling you of the problem they had with so-and-so? And they get you as riled up as they are. You're like, well, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. I don't know why they did that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Pause. Back up. You got to hear the other side before you get to make any kind of judgment. Don't be an idiot and jump in with this person. Wisdom says, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not supposed to react. Seems right because I've only heard one side, but wisdom says, don't you do that. There's another side to this. And you can't make a, a, a full judgment and you should not make a full judgment until you get both sides. Look at verse 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. What's he saying? Saying, look, if you get offended at somebody, it's hard to, to win you back. Isn't it? Once somebody's upset with you, it's hard to win them back. So the answer for us is don't you get offended. You're going to, as soon as you get offended, you're separating yourself from somebody. It's hard to get you back. I mean, you can, you can reconcile, but it's hard. Proverbs 18, verse 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Just some simple relationship tips here. Praise the Lord. Uh, Let's move on to words. Proverbs 18, verse 7. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. You know what that means? That means when somebody's gossiping or telling, telling off on somebody or spreading bad news or spreading juicy news. What? It's like, yeah, yeah. Talk more. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. That's human nature. It's fallen human nature. Wisdom says, I'm not getting involved in that. Are you able to stop yourself from needing to hear the juicy news? Yeah, everybody's looking at their watch. Come on, this is just basic Bible stuff. This is basic. This is how people of God live. We live differently. The problem is for so long, churches are filled with voices. Filled with this yeah-yeah stuff. Churches have been split a hundred times over with people yipping and yapping. Don't you let that happen to you. I said, don't you let that happen to you. Come on, you got to be better than that. You got to be wiser than that. You cannot be a gossiper. You can't be a talebearer. You can't spread weird news. You can't let it out of your mouth. You shouldn't even leave it. You shouldn't even have it in your heart to begin with. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You shouldn't even have it in there. You've been thinking on the wrong stuff. You've been judging stuff that you shouldn't have judged. Uh, Y'all can repent tomorrow and love me back tomorrow. Here's another one. 
Uh, I, I like this one. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And he rages against all wise judgment. Boy, if there's anything that encapsulates today's living, it's that. Everybody could isolate themselves at home, never see a human soul except on media. Order in, work at home, never see another person as long as you live, except the little Amazon guy at the porch. Okay. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. What does that mean? That means you're real selfish. If you can't go around people, you're too selfish. You're self-centered. Your whole life is, is really stuck and it's not healthy. And this is where Christians who think they can be Christian at home and do church at home, they're fooling themselves. I know it's a lot more work to go, to go around where people are and you got to get made up and you got to go talk to people and I don't want them people touching me. And... I, don't, I don't think we have a right to let this modern age make us weird. And you think about it, somebody lives by themselves, forms their own opinions, never has to be in any kind of uh, subservient hood to anybody. Like we're in a conversation, if we're in a personal conversation and I say something ridiculous and you go like this, I'm like, oh yeah, I shouldn't have said that. But if you're at home and you're not able to see somebody face to face, you can say anything you want. You can type anything you want. You can blast the whole world if you want and you can't, you're not even accountable. This social media thing has allowed everybody to just say whatever they want, anytime they want, to anybody they want, everybody in the whole wide world if they want to. That's not real life. Real life is if you're in a room with, with 10 friends and you say something ridiculous or mean, you're going to get called out on it. You're going to have to admit it right there. Amen. And so that's what kept relationships intact. Accountability. Social media, no more accountability whatsoever. So be very careful and wise how you use social media. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much rebuking those older, those over somebody. There's so much rebuking that everybody's doing online. It's a disaster. It's really a disaster. It's ruining so much in so many Christians' lives where I can just blast any preacher that's preached anything out there. It's really bad. So be wise, back away from those things. And pray that the service ends sooner than normal. <laughs> Proverbs 18, verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Very strange way to say it, huh? You ever read this and thought, what is he saying? A man's stomach will be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. What does this mean? means you'll be happy if you talk right. If you don't talk right, you won't be happy. If you spew garbage, you're going to feel bad. That's all it means. You're going to have to start talking right. You're going to have to hold back what you shouldn't say. 
The next scripture, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Proverbs 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I just threw that one in there for you single folks. That was one of my favorite scriptures back when I was a single man. And then when I got married, I was like, oh, yes, finally it has come to pass. And uh, I always like to tell this. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And uh, I, I recognize this when I, when I met Joni. We got started dating. And man, something changed in me. I had found my wife. And I had this favor come on me. It was a grace that, man, I was flying. And the first time I noticed it, I used to play tennis with a friend of mine. And uh, we, would, we were pretty even. And he'd beat me and I'd beat him. And he'd beat me and I'd beat him. But man, after I met Joni, started dating, I smoked him. I smoked him. And it was so bad. He said, what has happened to you? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I got favor. A new grace has come upon me. <clears throat> but these proverbs are real, I'm telling you. Uh, verse 27, 1727, 1727. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. There you go. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. The smartest person in the room always sits there in the corner and just listens. No, I don't know about that, but uh, you, you would probably, uh, we, we'd all help our life if we would be slower to speak, quicker to hear. Amen. Proverbs 17, verse 18. Uh, let's talk about money for a second. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. Uh, this is one of, the, one of the rules that you find in Proverbs to stop us from putting our name on the line for other people. You can love them, you can support them, you can help them, but don't you co-sign for them. Amen. Even family members should be careful on the co-signing, being surety for a friend. Uh, you'll see a bunch of Proverbs about this. <clears throat> Look at verse 23. A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of, just, of justice. Uh, bribes are ungodly, okay? And you don't see a whole lot of that in the U.S. unless you live in Washington, D.C. But in other countries, in other countries, bribery is really bad. And, and the longer I go, the more bribery I see even in the United States, just not in the local level. You go overseas, you got bribery in the airports. Everybody's looking for you to pay them off for something. Like you can get first in line if you'll pay extra. It's just, oh, it make you sick to your stomach in some places. Um, but in Washington, D.C., you see how it's all running? It's a disaster. It's a disaster. It's the best government system in the whole world. The United States has the best government system in the whole world. It's still ungodly. But as Pastor Joni said Wednesday night, we're going to fix it all in the thousand-year reign of Christ. We're going to fix it all. 
Everybody wants the swamp to get drained. It's going to get drained in the thousand-year reign of Christ. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 9. He who is slothful, so this is about money and work. He, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who's a great destroyer. Wow. Yeah, if you're, a, if you're lazy and slothful, you're just about the same as a great destroyer. Puts a new attitude on how you work, right? Diligence. The, the proverb 6.6 6 says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Ants just work, don't they? Proverbs 6 verse 1 says, uh, my son, if you become surety for your friend, if you've shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you're snared by the words of your mouth, taken by the words of your mouth. And he says this, if you've co-signed for somebody like a friend <laughs> and, and and they and you still owe the money. It says this. It says, do this, son, and deliver yourself. Go and humble yourself and plead with your friend. <laughs> so there's instruction on how to handle money and how to have relationships around money. And even in the, in the New Testament, it says, don't borrow, don't lend, just give. And so the way we like to help people here is, don't do your best not to lend money to somebody uh, or lend and hope for nothing in return. Maybe they say, I'll pay you back. But at that moment, you decide you don't have to. You can tell them you don't have to. You can. And if you tell them that, don't expect it. You live by your word. You decide, you know what, even if they didn't pay me back, I'm not going to. I'm disconnecting from this money right now. They said they'd pay me back. They can if they want to. I'm not expecting it. Otherwise, you'll separate friends. Otherwise, you'll mess up your brotherhood with somebody. So in church, amongst church family, or other Christians in your life, or even family members, be very careful about lending money, hoping for something in return. You can give it, you can even lend it, but don't hope for it back. Some of you might need to go apologize and go ahead and repent to somebody, you know, not now, but later. All right, let's go to the New Testament, I think. Uh, yeah, let's just, let's just hop foot over there. Colossians chapter 1, because we need to get some wisdom before we leave here. You can read all these uh, Proverbs, and, and there's other Proverbs not in the book of Proverbs. There's principled living all the way through Scripture that we need. But I want, I want us to go uh, jump forward into this spiritual wisdom, which is a new terminology in the New Testament. Solomon never mentioned it. Matter of fact, Solomon, wisest man ever, all these Proverbs, he, he still made a mess of his life because he, he didn't follow his own Proverbs. Right. And, and, and then he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a very depressing book. You ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? Uh, most of you probably didn't. You probably got through about page one. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's very depressing. So if you're ever depressed, don't read Ecclesiastes. But it was Solomon writing about his life at the end where he determined, you know what? I've got it all. I've had it all. I've partied it all. I've ate it all. I've enjoyed it all. And still I'm lacking. All is vanity. 
still, it's not making sense. It's not enough. All of these things did not satisfy. What's he saying? He's saying, we need the Messiah. We need Jesus. He's expressing the human condition without Jesus. And so all of the wisdom of this world, all of the principled lifestyle you could live is still not going to be enough. Only Jesus and the Holy Spirit can give you what you're lacking. So look at Colossians chapter one here, verse nine. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. This is Paul writing to the book of, I mean, to the church at Colossae. We don't cease to pray for you. So it means we're praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is part of his prayer for a church that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Stop there. I just wanted you to see this term. They're praying that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Okay? So now we're talking about spiritual stuff that you can't even pinpoint what he's talking about. So wisdom and spiritual understanding, you need it. Amen. Everybody say that out loud. Say wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wisdom and spiritual understanding. I, need it. I need it. Don't know what it is, but I need it. And because this is a prayer in the Bible, you can pray it for yourself. Paul, by the spirit, prayed it for a church and he wrote it in the Bible. That means, or he wrote it in his letter. That means you and I can pray this for ourselves. Look at Colossians chapter three, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Go to Ephesians chapter one. Another prayer, he prayed for the church at Ephesus. Verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Stop there. Notice this. Another prayer. He's praying that they would have. And that means you and I can pray that we would have, that I would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Say that one out loud. Say, I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I need my eyes of understanding to be enlightened. I need to know the hope of my calling. I want to know what the riches of the glory is. 
Those are spiritual phrases, right? It's like, what am I praying? Pray it until you know. Pray it until you know what those mean. Pray until something happens to you. If you'll pray these prayers, I would say if you would pray this one prayer here, or you could pick this one and the Colossians one, uh, for a month, every day, a couple times a day. Pray it every day, a couple times a day, for a month, you would grow in Christ. You'd understand the Bible better. You'd start to see the hope of your calling. Things would make more sense to you. You'd be a healthier, happier Christian. Your little prayer request wouldn't be the major theme in your life anymore. All of a sudden, I'm, whoa, I see it now. Your faith in the power of God would grow. You'd have more wisdom for life. You'd be better at work. You'd be better at home. You'd act right. You'd talk better. You could read the Bible faster. Or you could hear it faster. It'd make more sense in church. You'd have more fire and more zeal. If you, if you would ask God for these spiritual things, yes. until you, you don't even know what they are. You don't even know why you need them, but you need them. So go ahead and ask for them and expect them until all of a sudden something happens to you. I had heard of a preacher doing this, and uh, I thought, well, I can do that. And so I began to, early, it's my first year in the Lord, I began to ask God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I, that I would know the hope of my calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe according to the working of your mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own hand, own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all. I began to pray this whole passage. And I prayed it, and I prayed it, and I prayed it, and I prayed it for myself, and I prayed it for myself. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I got to have it. I got to go deep. I want to know God. I want some wisdom. I want to have revelation. I got it. And it worked for me. I saw within, within about three weeks, I saw a change. And things were just happening quicker in me. And I thought, I'm going to pray it for my pastor. And I, I started praying it for my pastor. And after about a, a three weeks or a month, he stands up in the pulpit. He didn't know I was praying it for him. He stands up and he said, the Lord just told me he was going to give me more wisdom. Praise I didn't say that so you'd pray for me to have it. We've, we've been, listen, this has been part of our culture here at church where we pray this for one another. We pray it for the pastors. We pray it for you. This is part of our Christian culture is that we pray these Holy Ghost inspired prayers. You need to pray it for yourself. You need to pray it until you get it. Pray it until you're wiser than you used to be. Pray it until something changes. Act like it's supposed to happen to you. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He'll give it to you if you ask for it. And, and, and the first couple times, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just repeating this, and I'm just repeating this. And, and after about two or three weeks, you'll be like, oh, you know, I think I really do want some whatever this is, riches of his glory. Yeah, I think I really do want to know the inheritance in the same. Yeah, I think I really do want to have my understanding being enlightened. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what that is, but I think I want that. Okay, listen, this is how faith people are supposed to live. Faith people see it in the Bible and pull it in. Faith people say, yes, yes, I can have that. It's for me. Right. And, and what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to uh, step you away from the world's way yes. into the spiritual realm, Amen. spiritual Amen. understanding Amen. that the natural man cannot understand. The natural man doesn't even like spiritual things. 
I said the natural man does not even like spiritual things. You will find a conflict. If you start doing this type thing, your flesh will not appreciate it. Your carnal self will not appreciate you getting more spiritual. People think it's always the devil. I was going to do something for God and then all hell broke loose. The devil is really after me because I'm doing something for God. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's your flesh. You're struggling because your flesh doesn't want to do anything spiritual. Amen? Amen. So how many want some spiritual wisdom and understanding? Amen. All right, let's pray it together. You can do it at home. You can do it the rest of the month. Uh, next month. Let's pray it out loud together. Say this. Say, God, God I, ask you I ask you for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and, revelation and revelation in the knowledge of you. I ask that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I would know what is the hope of your calling me and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in me. And I want to know what is the exceeding greatness of your power. Toward us who believe. According to the working of your mighty power. Uh, I'm going to read one in Philippians and y'all can pray it with me. It's another one I didn't read yet, but we'll do it together. This I pray. That my love may abound. More and more. In knowledge and all discernment. That I would be sincere and without offense. Until the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Which are by Jesus Christ. To the glory of God. Final one in Colossians 1. Colossians 1.9. I pray and ask that I be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I need to be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power, God, for all patience, long-suffering, with joy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, it feels good to pray it anyway, doesn't it? That means you're going to be more patient after you start praying these things. You'll have more long-suffering and you'll have more joy if you'll start praying these things. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, 
and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.